0: Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 887 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Director of Public Relations
1: Aura Two Ninety is available only at the
2: two-hour turn. There's no other.
1: Thrilled to be here. Well, for the first time since August, I'm on here without talking about a football game coming up today as the Bears lost to the Saints in the wild card round of the NFL playoffs last week. I'll talk all about that loss and the press conferences that followed. Here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on 887FM WLUW, I'm your host, Nick Schultz, here with you for another hour. Great to be with you for another week. Yeah, the Bears lost last week as expected. I basically told you that was what was going to happen, and lo and behold, it did end up happening. And now we have to look at what's next. And I'm not really sure what's next. But we'll talk all kinds of bears here in the first half hour. We also have some Bulls news to talk about because they blew a 22-point lead to Oklahoma City. But Billy Donovan had a really good quote in the postgame press conference that I'll play for you as well. Blackhawks started their season, They're 0-2, I'll be honest with you, I forgot that the season started Wednesday with everything going on and I'm not high on the Blackhawks this year, but we'll talk some hockey because hockey season's here. Also, the White Sox made a splash in free agency, finally getting their closer. They didn't fill all the holes, but they got a big name coming into the closer spot. Jerry Reinsdorf found his wallet. On a national stage, we had a blockbuster deal in the NBA that I'll talk about maybe toward the end of the show. I do have some fun audio about that trade that we'll talk about and then of course some college hoops if there's time. Again, there's a lot to get to today. So if I have some time, I will absolutely talk some college basketball. I got to cover my first game since March yesterday. So I might talk a little bit about that, but we have to start with the Bears because I appreciate what George McCaskey and Ted Phillips and Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy tried to do the other day when they had a press conference with the media, you know, 3 days after the season ended to talk about the year, talk about what was coming up next, maybe explain their decision-making, and maybe explain why Ryan Pace is keeping his job and why Matt Nagy's keeping his job. More more importantly, why Ted Phillips is keeping his job. Again, the Bears lost to the Saints last week. It was not good. I mean, it was just all-around bad. I mean, they were the laughingstock of the league. Even Rex Ryan was ripping Matt Nagy the next day, talking about the conservative game plan. All over the radio, the phone lines were lighting up, all the Bears fans out and about, not happy with the performance, as they should be, because it was not a good performance last week. Now you look at the off season, and we're sitting there thinking, okay, who's going to get fired? Who's leaving? They can't keep this all the same. And there was a noticeable silence out of Hallis Hall last week. Like, it was an eerie silence out of Hallis Hall. Usually at least in my experience, there's been a post-mortem, as I like to call it. There has been an end-of-the-season press conference the day after the season, or at least in maybe the Tuesday after. If you recall, after the season ended in 2014, Mark trustman and Phil Emery were fired on that Monday. So we're sitting there Monday, Tuesday, nothing happened. I mean, there was absolutely nothing coming out of Hallis Hall. And then, so a full disclosure, I, I slept in that day, the day that this all started with these press conferences. So this would have been January 13th is the date. All right? That is Wednesday. Wednesday was the day we heard from the Bears. And I, like I said, I slept in because I figured I'd sleep in. And I, I I I listen to the score overnight. I, I throw on I throw on Les Grobstein and I usually just let it play overnight on my phone. And I roll over. Now this is about twenty after ten. I mean when I say I sleep in, I slept in. This is twenty after ten. I roll over. I hear just I, I think I'm dreaming at this point. I hear a question to George, and I hear, now I know what George McCaskey sounds like. I hear someone who sounds like George McCaskey on the radio, and I roll over. I'm like, are they having a press conference right now? They called the press conference early in the morning. And I, I roll over. Like, okay, you know what? I'm awake now. I'll listen to it. And then I hear a voice I'd never heard before. Now, I know what Matt Nagy sounds like. I listen to him every week. I know who I know how Ryan Pace talks, because I hear him when he talks, you know, once a year. Obviously, I know how George McCaskey sounds. That was the first time I'd ever heard Ted Phillips talk. And frankly, I hope it's the last time I hear Ted Phillips talk. Cause that whole press conference was a disaster. Basically what it boils down to. If you missed it, I mean it was all over social media, it was all over the radio, TV, if you missed it, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are staying another year, at least. Ted Phillips is staying in his role. The only change that's happening is Chuck Pagano retired, which more on that in a second. But this press conference, I mean, they tried defending it, and I absolute shout-out to the Chicago media. And, I mean, I'm talking all the Bears writers, any, any other writers who were on that call, that press conference needs to be played in college journalism classes. I tweeted that and I mean it. The way it's tough over Zoom. This press conference would have gone a lot differently if we weren't in a pandemic and you could be in the room with everybody and not have to wait your turn to speak. Because there were follow there would have been follow-up after follow-up after follow-up. And especially from Jason Leisure and Mark Podash at the some times asking good, tough questions. And naturally, the Bears sidestepped them. But the word of the day was collaboration. I felt like I was watching or listening to an episode of Sesame Street. Today's word is collaboration. It was all they talked about. They're good at collaborating. Collaborate, collaborate, collaborate. If you listen to the full press conference, you, it, it would make a fun drinking game if you're 21. Like, let me put it to you that way. It was just an absolute train wreck. And they kept pointing to the culture here, which I, I hate that word culture, first of all. Like, I, I despise that word. So that one riles me up already. And then you hear Ted Phillips and George McCaskey talking about, we have the right people here. It's all about the people when you're running an organization. An organization is run by the people. You don't win. These people aren't winning. And they, did, they, they even said, like, is 8-8 good enough? No. Were we good enough? No, but we had the right people. Timeout? Wait a minute here. That does, That's not how that's supposed to work, is it? I mean, I'm sure Phil Emery was a nice guy. I know Mark Trespin was a nice guy, but they didn't win, so you fired him. Tell me how Ryan Pace has made this team better since 2018. Because 2018 was a good year. They made the playoffs. They should have won that playoff game if it wasn't for the right leg of Cody Parkey. They'd have won, probably won that game. After that game, tell me how you've gotten better. You haven't. You've gotten worse. Your Super Bowl caliber defense has regressed to an average defense, and that's why Chuck Pagano is the scapegoat here. First of all, let me, let me be clear. I'm very happy for Chuck Pagano that he's retiring. The guy's been through a lot. He beat cancer while coaching. After he, after he beat cancer, he still coached. He's had a great career. I'm glad he's retiring but the timing of his retirement makes it seem like he's a scapegoat here. The Bears were winning games the last few years because they had an elite defense. Vic Fangio in 2018 had that defense as strong. There were comparisons to the 85 team. Not saying they were valid. Like The 85 team is in a league of its own, but there were comparisons because it's Chicago. We like to compare. But it was a great defense in 2018. Obviously, as you recall... Vic took the head coaching job in Denver. So you bring in Chuck Pagano, who at the time was the best possible replacement. I remember saying it at the time. Okay, this is as good a guy as you're going to get right now. Look at what he did in Baltimore with that defense. Bring him in to this defense in Chicago, and I think he can pick up where Vic left off. Obviously, that was wrong because the defense regressed. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily agree with Chuck's scheme. But he's a big—he's still a big reason why they won most of these games the last two years. Is because the defense was really good. Sure wasn't the offense, especially this year. The offense was awful this year, and I know that that's why Matt Nagy was brought in. And I know people criticized Mitch for that too, Mitch Trubisky for it too. Well, he got benched this year, came back now. And Boomer Esiason said this on the radio on Monday with Danny Parkins, and I I wanted to – I didn't get the clip, but I I remember the quote. If Mitch Trubisky threw every ball like he did the one to Javon Wims in the end zone that he dropped, nobody would have a problem with him. Can we talk about that play for a second before I talk about the the offseason here? That play, we were watching as a family in my garage. That's where I'm broadcasting from now is my detached garage at my house in Dwight, Illinois. I'm watching with my family. And the ongoing joke, and the NBC Sports Chicago Bears account kind of started this. I've kind of played off of it. The ongoing joke is I want to see a flea flicker. I want to see a flea flicker in this game, and I want it to work. Well, we're watching, and we were were like, looked away for a second. We look back, and you hear me go, hey, flea flicker, flea flicker, and it's working. And David Montgomery tosses it, and I forget, was it Cordero Patterson? Somebody tossed it back to Mitch Trubisky, and Trubisky threw a dime to the end zone to Javon Williams. It went right through his hands. I thought we were going to blow the windows out we were yelling so loud. My dad was trying to work. He works. For, he's a writer for Saturday Tradition. He was trying to work in the corner as we are yelling and screaming at the TV. Oh my goodness, that catch. It, it, that should have been, I could have caught that. I think I have caught passes like that. And I just play pickup football once every like three years I play pickup football. I'm not saying that would have made or broken the game because the Bears, the Bears were going to lose that game. But that, oh, man, that made me so mad. I wanted to see Javon Wims gone after the last Saints game when he got ejected and eventually suspended for punching, was it Gardner Johnson? I wanted him gone after that. And on top of that, Darnell Mooney would have been running that route, but he was out with an injury. So if Darnell Mooney was healthy, that's a catch, that's a touchdown. Instead, you had Javon Wims. It went right through his hands. And all the memes on Twitter, and it went all, it went all over TikTok, too. That, that hurt. But back to the point, though. Mitch threw a great pass downfield. If he, do, if he does that, game in, game out, nobody would have a problem with him. I think that's safe to say. But Wims dropped it. And the game plan ended up going back to more conservative because I, Matt Nagy doesn't trust Trubisky. It's plain and simple. So the offense, people blame Nagy, they blame Trubisky, even though Bill Lazor started calling the plays the second half of the year, but everyone likes to blame Nagy. There's a lot of problems with this team. But if you listen to the press conference that McCaskey and Phillips did, you wouldn't know that by hearing what they say because they didn't address the problems. They're more worried about the people. And There was questions about modernizing the front office. What do I mean by that? Ted Phillips is the president and CEO. George McCaskey says Ted Phillips doesn't have anything to do with the football side of the operation, right? The football guy, quote unquote, is the general manager. Shouldn't there be a president of football operations above the general manager in this case? especially given what Ryan Pace has done the last six years, which is basically sign Khalil Mack and build a defense. But, you know, we won't talk about what he did in the draft with the offense. Shouldn't you have a split presidency like the Blackhawks just did or be like the Bulls and have a president of football operations or like the Cubs have a president of baseball operations? Bulls obviously have a president of basketball operations, but you get my point. Why the hesitancy to modernize? There aren't many teams that still have this model. And especially when you say your president and CEO doesn't have anything to do with the football side, yet he's in the interviews and he helps the chairman, George McCaskey, decide who's going to be the next GM head coach. Isn't that dabbling in the football side of things? I don't know. I'm not in the room. But that sounds like it to me. Ted Phillips has been in his position for 21 years. Anyone know how many times the Bears have made the playoffs in 21 years? To give you an idea, I'm 22, so I've seen all these. Six. Six times. Does anyone know when the last playoff victory was? Ten years ago. Almost to the day. It was time for change, and the Bears just missed a big opportunity. And... To make matters to try and make matters better. McCaskey went on the radio first with the ESPN 1000, then on 670. The score. Now I didn't listen to the scores interview. I had stuff going out, but I was able to catch his interview with Waddle and Sylvie. First of all, I love Bark Silverman. Sylvie is awesome. I'm glad. I mean, he's healthy now. He's he's done with his cancer treatment. He looks great. And I mean, he was pressing George on all these. It was a great interview. And George once again. Didn't really help himself that much. And again, I didn't listen to the score interview. If anyone did, shoot me a tweet at Schultz underscore seven and tell me your thoughts or slide into my DMs. But I only listened to the one on 1,000, and I thought Sylvie did a great job. He didn't sugarcoat. He shot straight. And it was, it was a good interview. And I mean, Tom Waddle asked a couple of good questions too, but you could tell Sylvie, Sylvie was ready to go. But I made a comparison on Twitter. And I'll bring it up again because I, th- I think I'm right. Or at least I think I have a point. And if you think I'm wrong, again, tweet me, slide in my DMs, etc. The reason the Bulls made a change at the top is because John Paxson went to Michael and Jerry Reinsdorf and said, hey, this isn't working. I need to step aside. You guys need to bring someone else in here. Look what happened. Arturis Karnashois came in, brought in Mark Eversley, and they got a great head coach in Billy Donovan. The only way that Ted Phillips leaves the Bears organization is if he goes to George McCaskey and says, hey, I'm retiring. It's time for someone else to come in here. I'm done. That's the only way change happens. And that was what I took away from the press conferences and McCaskey's interviews on the radio. Ted Phillips isn't going anywhere. I don't want to compare the McCaskies to Jerry Reinsdorf, but in this case, I think it makes sense because Jerry is very loyal. It's the reason Kenny Williams still has a job. He has a job for life. I mean, Jerry Krause stuck around as long as he was because he was very loyal to Jerry Reinsdorf. Jerry, and, and same with Gar and John Paxton. It's Jerry. They got jobs for life. I feel like Ted Phillips is entering that territory with the McCaskies I feel like he's one of the again, the only way he's leaving is if he steps down on his own. That's that's my biggest takeaway. And it sucks because it's time for a change. I really was hoping there'd be some kind of change. At least with Ryan Pace. I was I I've said it before that Ted Phillips needs to step down, retire, whatever. I, I've said that before. Because it needs to happen. They need to modernize the front office, like I say. Bring in a president of football operations above the general manager. And that's what George didn't seem to understand. And same with Ted. They kept saying, oh, our football guy is the GM. That's great, but bring in a football guy above your football guy. That way you have two heads in the room instead of just one. And that way you don't have, like, the 2017 NFL draft. When Ryan Pace went rogue and drafted Trubisky without really telling anybody. Which, speaking of that draft, that was a great question by Mark Potash asking about that 2017 draft, and he, was, he asked Ryan Pace about it. And I believe the response was something like, I understand and respect that question, and then didn't answer it. Because that's what Ryan Pace does. He didn't answer the damn question. But it was a, an awesome question from Potsey. I enemy. Mean, all you just see all these tweets. I mean, I even tweeted, like, Mark Potash for the top rope, and Layla Rahimi tweeted, Potsy taking one for the team. Because that's what he did. It was a great question. I agree with Daryl Horowitz, who just slid into my DMs. Mark Potash asked the best questions. Yes, he I love listening to Potse in the press conferences, and it's great now. That is one good thing about listening to these Zoom press conferences, is you hear the PR flank saying which reporter is asking the questions. And Potsi's questions, I mean, you always you can always tell which one's Potsey, especially now between him and Jason Leisure. They do Awesome work. They ask great questions. They're all about holding these guys accountable. Daryl goes on, Green Bay yesterday showed what a football team should be. With 29 seconds left, up 16-10 to 10 on the 25, they went for it and got three and could have got a touchdown. Matt Nagy, on the other hand, ran three running plays down 7-3 to three with almost two minutes left and near the 20. In other words, he coached like a coward, and that's, what, and that's a call I made about Dick Duran on the score with Hub Arkish years ago. That's not a leader and someone I want back. The Bears need a president of football. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Two heads are better than one. And that's what the Bears need. I understand your football guys, your GM. That's just how it's how it's always been. I get it. I understand. You've got to look where things are going, and you need someone above the general manager. And I know they'll say, oh, Ted Phillips is above the general manager. No, you need a president of football operations who reports to George McCaskey. Let Ted Phillips worry about the business side, because I think that's why he's around. I mean the business side is still good. I mean it's in great shape. You need someone on the football side to report to George Bukaski. I don't know who that is. I don't have a name. I'm just telling you it needs to happen. I I've, I've thought about this. I don't I don't I don't know executive names off the top of my head. For head coach, I mean I told you my hand if I could hand pick one it'd be Eric Bianomi. And there'd be a couple other great candidates as well. But for an executive, I can't tell you that. I don't know the ins and outs of the league and all these personnel directors and these scouting directors. I don't know all these guys. I'm just I, You need a position up there and you need someone with a great football IQ. Right now, I, I really think that Ryan Pace does have a good football IQ. He's just not good at executing. And that's just a slight problem when you're running a team. But now we go into this offseason, and I, what's going to happen next year? Well, the big thing is you need a quarterback. I, really, I don't think Mitch Trubisky comes back. I think it's best for everybody if Mitch Trubisky doesn't come back next year. And it's a shame, because it seemed like he was starting to turn a corner, but I think it boils down to Nagy doesn't trust him. It's easy for him to put up big numbers against the Texans, and the Jaguars, and the Vikings, and the Lions. It's really easy for him to put up big numbers against those teams. When you go up against the Saints, the number two seed in the NFC, who I think could make a run at the Super Bowl, you can't run a conservative game plan. You have to go for it. Nagy did the same thing against Green Bay. He kept settling for field goals. You don't beat Aaron Rodgers by settling for field goals. And then when they do decide to go for it, they go out of the shotgun on a bootleg on fourth and one, and they blow it. When they have a quarterback who can run, who you can just run up the middle. But that's just basic fundamental football. It's best for everybody if Mitch moves on, and I think Nagy needs to bring in another quarterback. I don't Nick Foles should not start. I don't want Nick Foles starting. The guy can't start. You saw that this year. I told you that before it happened. Everyone told me, oh, he won Super Bowl MVP, blah, 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 blah. The guy can't start. He needs to come off the bench and play Superman and save the day. It's just who he is. I don't know if it's the draft. I don't know if it's going out in free agency. I mean, I know there's a lot of salary cap issues. Thanks, Ryan Pace. So I don't know who they can get. Because they gave Robert Quinn a big contract. That worked well. They're paying Khalil Mack. They're paying Akeem Hicks. They're paying Kyle Fuller. They're paying Eddie Jackson. A lot of money in that defense, and I'm worried that they've handcuffed themselves. So I don't know what the answer is at quarterback, but I know you're going to need an answer at quarterback. You're also going to need an answer at wide receiver. Because I'm, I think it's safe to say, and tell me if I'm wrong, I think it's safe to say that the Bears have run Allen Robinson out of town. I'm don't know. i not saying they did it on purpose, but that's just what it appears as though. It appears as if they've traded, or they've let, let me try that again. It appears as if they pushed Allen Robinson out of town. They don't target him in the red zone. When Nick Foles was in there, he'd go to Jimmy Graham, or, or he'd go to Demetrius Harris before Allen Robinson. It looked to me, the deal didn't get done before the deadline. I thought they'd, try after the year to get something done, and you hear what Allen Robinson's saying, and it doesn't sound like it's close, doesn't sound like it's going to happen. And that's a shame, because that is your best offensive weapon that you are letting walk out the door. On top of that, I think Anthony Miller's good is gone too. Because he got ejected for getting into it with Gardner Johnson of the Saints this week. This is after, and I, and I, let me say this. This will be the reason why Anthony Miller doesn't come back. Post-game press conference, Matt Nagy made it a point to talk about the fact that they spent 15 minutes in practice telling the, telling the wide receivers not to get into it with Gardner-Johnson. Not to answer him. He's, he's a rabble-rouser, for lack of a better phrase. He He gets people riled up and gets them ejected. What does Anthony Miller do? He takes the bait. He gets tossed. And that was a stupid ejection. It would have been a stupid ejection anyway, but you're already down Darnell Mooney. Now you're down Anthony Miller. And after the game, when Nagy brought up that they spent 15 minutes in practice doing that, that's sign number one that he won't be back. Then, the second sign, Sylvie asked a great question about that ejection, about Anthony Miller's future, and George McCaskey said, and I quote, actually I'm not quoting, I'm paraphrasing, I don't have the final say in that. I think Anthony Miller is good as gone. So then, for argument's sake, you're down Allen Robinson because you pushed him out the door. You're down Anthony Miller because you're going to let him go because he didn't show up when you needed him to. I was going to say something else, but I can't say that on the air. I think you should be down Javon Wims because not only did he have the stupid ejection with his temper, but also he blew one of the biggest catches of the year. So you're left with Darnell Mooney. Is Darnell Mooney really the answer at wide receiver? Not yet. He can be. Maybe someday he can be. But not right now. The guy's got game. But I don't think he's the answer yet. So you need wide receivers. And finally, I kind of buried this because of the other problems, but you do need a defensive coordinator. Because yours just retired. I don't know if it's going to be somebody in-house. Would anybody around the league want this job now? I don't know. I don't know if anybody wants this job. In 2018, it was the most attractive job opening in the league because the Bears' defense was so good. Now, they're kind of eh. I think part of that's Pagano's scheme. But I don't think it's as attractive an opening now. So you just promote in-house for a year and then clean house? Because here's the other thing that got me about the about these press conferences, and I had it written down and read over it. Why the secrecy on when everybody's contracts run out? Did anyone else catch that? When George McCaskey said it wasn't pertinent to the conversation, and Ryan Pace didn't want to answer it either? Why the secrecy? I know Ryan mentioned something about, oh, well, player contracts, and, well, wait, what about the player contracts? The player contracts are public, dude. We know how long everybody's contract runs out. That's why we're clamoring for Allen Robinson to get an extension because we know his contract is up this year, but you drug your feet on the negotiations, and now he's going to go sign somewhere else. I don't understand the secrecy there, but from what we can piece together, it's sounding like everybody's contracts, everybody's contracts end after this coming season in 2022. I know Matt Nagy's did, but... There's rumors and speculation, and it's apparently now confirmed, that Ryan Pace is with Matt Nagy. They're tied together. So after next season, when the Bears inevitably lay another egg, you're going to have an Emery and Trestman situation where they both get fired. So if you're looking for a defensive coordinator job in the NFL, if you're ready to take the next step and run a defense, and with this defense, you're running the show because Matt Nagy wants nothing to do with it, which is understandable. He's an offensive-minded guy. If you want to run your own defense... Would you come in this situation? I wouldn't. That's why I think they're just going to promote in-house for the year, maybe win a few games, and then just get rid of everybody and start fresh. I don't know why you don't just do that now. I don't know why you wait the extra year, but there are a lot of things that I just can't really understand with this team this year. But, you know, they've got the right people, and they like the culture. The culture's great. It's all about the culture and the people. That's how that works, right? It's going to be a big offseason, and there's going to be a lot of people angry this offseason. It'll all be undone if they just trade the house for Deshaun Watson, which I am here for, by the way. I still think give the Texans whatever they want for Deshaun Watson, and I think that would wipe away a lot. It probably wouldn't wipe away everything, but it would make me feel better. That's for sure. As we're at the bottom of the hour, I want to remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout on ww 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University. I'm coming to you from Dwight, Illinois, in my detached garage. If you want to chime in on the conversation, shoot me a tweet at underscore 7 or slide into my DMs. For this semester, we are remote again for shows, so no phone calls. Keep interacting on Twitter to chime in on the show. But if the Bears can trade for Deshaun Watson, I will be very happy, and I I have said it the last two weeks. I asked Jeff Dickerson about it last week. Go check out the interview on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. He addressed it. He told me not to hold my breath, but you know what? I'm going to keep dreaming because I need something positive about this team. I think the Bears should give the Texans whatever they want. Give them Khalil Mack. If they want Khalil Mack, they can have him. That's fine. If Deshaun Watson comes to Chicago... He'd come in as the savior of the franchise. I don't think he'd want to, considering Ryan Pace didn't even look at him in the draft in 2017. But for all intents and purposes, if he did wave his no trade clause and came to Chicago, I'd be very happy and he'd have a chance to be a superhero. There are people saying it'd be as big a deal as when Michael Jordan was on the Bulls. Now, that's extreme because Michael Jordan's the GOAT. But I, I get where they're coming from, though. You would have... A chance. I made this analysis. Was it last week or the week before? I made the reference to The Great Gatsby. I will make the reference again. The line: If you've ever read or, or watched The Great Gatsby, you can't repeat the past. You can't repeat the past. Well, of course you can. Ryan Pace has a chance here to undo his biggest mistake. Or, if not entirely undo, try and make up for it. He has a chance to do this, and he needs to, he needs to do whatever it takes. I mean that. Whatever it takes, give them whatever, whatever draft capital. Whatever, I don't know if I want to mortgage all the draft capital, but give give them Khalil Mack, give them a Keem Hicks, give them a street named after them, give them a key to the city. Make Deshaun Watson the mayor. I don't care. Do whatever it takes. I know that's a meatball fan take. I know that's not a leveled take, but I've got. I'm looking at this from a fan perspective. Ryan Pace, for once, do the right thing. It would be a chance to undo his biggest mistake, which he didn't want to address to the media. That's how big a mistake it was. He didn't even want to defend himself to the Bears media. You got a chance here. You got This is a once-in-a-lifetime chance. Do yourself a favor. Do Bears fans a favor. Make a call. See what you can do. Please. Please. I could talk football all day, but we do have a lot more to get to as well. The Bulls the other day suffered their worst loss of the season, and it's no question. They were up 22 on the Oklahoma City Thunder and ended up losing 127-125 in overtime. Yet not great. The Bulls have taken some big steps toward growth the last few weeks. They have lost their last four games by a combined 11 points. Yes, a combined 11 points. That's how close they've been. And some of those games – One of them was against the Lakers, who obviously were without Anthony Davis, but they were close to beating the Lakers. Another one was to the Clippers, who were a good team this year. They had Kawhi Leonard and Paul George active. They lost to the Sacramento Kings solely because Tyrese Halliburton went crazy in the fourth quarter and helped Sacramento win. And they blew the 22-point lead to the Thunder. So what's the trend here? The trend is the Bulls lose close games. You have to remember they're a young team. And Billy Donovan made note of this. Sis. So Sam Smith, who used to write for the Tribune, wrote the Jordan Rules. Maybe, maybe you've heard of it if you're a Bulls fan. Now writes for Bulls.com. And he asked a great question of Billy Donovan in the post-game press conference the other day. Let's listen.
2: Well, I think, Sam, my job is to teach them what goes into winning, you know, as, as a coach. And, and, you know, I'm not asking, you know, anybody on our team to be anybody, anybody but themselves You know, I think they've all gotten better. They've all made progress. They've all made strides, but I just can't sit there as a coach and just sit there and say, okay, well, this is who you are. Just keep doing what you do and who you are. I mean, I I think that would be a terrible mistake and a disservice to the players. I mean, they, they, if they, they want to win, they want to win. I mean, they, this is a hardworking group. It's a good group of guys. Uh, They want to win. They don't know how to, you know, they're, they're learning how to, and there's things that, you know, it was interesting. I was like talking to Kobe about this, um, a couple—I don't I know—it was a couple games ago, but like we're on a little bit of a run, and he's made a couple shots, and then like he wants to heat check. We don't need a heat check right now. We're on a run, like okay, so it's a long rebound, and, and we break momentum. We've got to understand the things that break momentum, and I—I I still believe we have control over some of the passes that we made, uh, the decisions that we made. We're, we're we're up twenty-two or twenty-three points, and we go through a stretch there where it's like. And I thought it happened, to be honest with you, Sam, I thought it happened in the middle of the second quarter, but we made some shots and rebounded, and I think we were up 18 at the half. But they had cut it all the way down to maybe seven or eight points with about four or five minutes to go, and we kind of went on a run to close the second quarter. But the same thing happened in the middle of the third quarter, and these, these, these runs or these momentum swings, they just go on for too long. And I've got to try to find a way to help them see the things that are important that they have to do to put themselves in position to win
1: Isn't that so refreshing? Isn't that great to hear a head coach shoot straight and tell you that they don't know how to win and that's my job to teach them instead of using some stupid metaphor like Jim Boylan used to do where he talked about preparing the child for the road or whatever metaphor he used that didn't make any sense. I love listening to Billy Donovan in press conferences after these types of losses because he doesn't use cliches. He shoots straight. And that right there was a brilliant answer to that question that made me very happy. And then, so this is the next day. This is actually, I guess this is yesterday. I see a tweet from Cody Westerland at the Six Seventy the score. He's a sports editor over there, covers the bulls. And he tweets that Billy Donovan shares a metaphor about the bulls needing to learn how to win quote. I'd like to go to the moon. I really would. I have no interest in doing what it takes to become an astronaut. So like, I want to win. Okay, great. Are you really, are you really willing to do what goes into winning? That kind of stuff is why I love Billy Donovan as a head coach, and Casey Johnson at the at NBC Sports Chicago, formerly of the, I will say, of the Tribune. Um, wow, that was that's the first time I've ever done that. So Casey Johnson of NBC Sports Chicago tweeted out as well that. Let me let me find it here he tweeted out another quote, or I guess not really a quote, but something Billy Donovan said yesterday, is instead of showing the Bulls film clips, he made them watch the entire final four minutes and 40 seconds of regulation, assuming Overtime 2 didn't follow up on that, in an attempt to get them to understand what goes into learning how to win slash attention to detail slash late game execution. This guy gets it. This guy knows this is a young team that needs to develop and this is how they're going to develop, is by learning how to win. And they're going to learn the hard way, is what's looking like. Again, these last few games have been decided by a total of 11 points. And they're set to take on Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks today at 3 p.m. I think Luka's going to play tonight. He didn't play the last time they played, but I think Luka's going to play. But there's a lot of growth here, but there's still stuff to work on as well. And he gets that. I, I love these these quotes. If you rem- you if you've listened to the show long enough, you'll know I hated listening to the post-game press conferences when Jim Boylan was there, because it's just cliche after, cliche after cliche after nonsense after nonsense. Now there's substance to these. And it's great. It is amazing. I as soon as they hired Billy Donovan, I knew it was gonna be good. I didn't expect this good. Trust me. That's why I'm so optimistic about the Bulls. I was talking to people at the bar the other night. That I, I mean, I was ripping the Blackhawks. I'm like, they're they're not good. They're not developing well. And they're like, well, what are the Bulls doing? They're under 500. I'm like, yeah, that's different. The Bulls have a great head coach in Billy Donovan. They got a brand new front office who's really strong on player development. That's the difference. And you see that. I mean, you li- you listen to those quotes. I, how many coaches would go out there and just spew off cliches and try to, like, soften the blow. He didn't throw his players under the bus. But he shot straight. That's what you want. You want honesty. That's all we wanted the last year and a half, two years of Jim Boylan. We wanted honesty. We're getting that now with Billy Donovan in the press conferences. Like, I keep saying the Bulls have a competent head coach. That's exactly what this is now. They have a competent head coach who's, not afraid to just tell it like it is in the post-game press conferences. One question that I do have about the Bulls going forward. We need to talk about Denzel Valentine. Why do I say that? Well, let me let me take you back here to the Lakers game. This is Friday, January 8th. Bulls lost by two to the Lakers. Now, the Bulls have not been fully healthy during that stretch. They were without Lowry Markin and Ryan Archidiakono. Tomas Sadaransky and Chandler Hutchison, all in NBA "quote unquote" health and safety protocols. It was COVID protocol. They were without all of them, so Denzel Valentine was getting more minutes. Let me find the box score to get this right, because I was watch. I watched that whole game. I didn't. I wasn't planning on it, but I did. Denzel Valentine off the bench in 24 minutes. Two for eight from the field. To give you an idea of how many shots he took, Patrick Williams took 10 as a starter. Kobe White took 14 as a starter. Kobe went 6 for 14. Patrick Williams went 3 for 10. Denzel went 2 for 8, including 1 for 5 from three-point territory. Kobe White shot the same amount of threes. He made two of them. Zach Levine went 4 for 7. Denzel took some ill-advised threes. This goes back to the learn-how-to-win thing. And, and Billy brought it up when he talked about Kobe with the heat checks. Denzel had a couple heat checks in there that weren't exactly warranted. Then you go to the Thunder game on Friday, and it's overtime. Zach Levine's bringing the ball coast to coast. Denzel runs into Zach as Zach's getting set to take the last shot. So Zach has to take a step back and shoot, and he was visibly upset afterward. I want to like Denzel Valentine as a player. I've said that before. I think I I said he's a better player than he gets credit for. I think that was just on the bad teams because now you look at him. Might be time to have that tough conversation. Denzel's a good guy. I've mean, I've met him a couple times. I'm I have a good relationship with his brother Drew, who's an assistant coach at Loyola. I, I think it's time to just move on because. The Laker game, okay, I can I can get behind that. That's a one-time thing. But when, when he ran into Zach as Zach was going up for the last shot against the Thunder, gotta get out of the way, pal. You just, it's the old thing from The Last Dance when Doug Collins drew up the play. I said, give the ball to Michael. Everybody get the bleep out of the way. That same thing should happen here. Give the ball to Zach. Everybody get the bleep out of the way. Everybody just get out of his way. It's tough to say because I know he was the he was good at Michigan State. He might. Everyone says he was drafted a little too high. You could you could make that argument. Time to move on. I wish it, if it was just one game I wouldn't be saying this. This is a few games now where Denzel's look kind of kind of shaky. So it might it might be time to have that conversation. I do. I want. I got some more I want to talk about, but I. I do. I've got. To, I want to play this audio. So, big trade in the NBA this week. On this would. Have been, I think this was Wednesday. Let me. Let me get my. Let me double check that. I want to say this was Wednesday when this all went down. Yes, Wednesday afternoon. James Harden finally got traded. Here's how this went down. This is a tweet from my buddy Sham Sharani at the Athletic and Stadium. It's a four-team trade. The Rockets, the Nets, the Pacers, the Cavs. Okay? The Nets got James Harden. That's it. The Pacers got Karis LeVert and a second rounder, which Karis LeVert is now out indefinitely. They found a mass on his kidney did I see on SportsCenter. Small mass on his kidney. Hope all the best to him. Cleveland Cavaliers got Jarrett Allen and Torian Prince. The Rockets got Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Rodion Corks. Three Brooklyn first rounders. One Milwaukee first rounders. I don't know where the Milwaukee pick came from. I want to say it's from the Nets. Four Brooklyn first round swaps. Okay? You got all that? That's a a huge trade. That was at 3.25 p.m. Central, 4.25 Eastern. Craig Carton and Evan Roberts host the afternoon drive show on WFAN in New York. And I'm just going to kind of present this without comment, except to say, here's when they found out about the trade.
0: But they let him go without signing him. So he's oh. got it. Oh, oh, boy. The Nets got James Harden. Breaking news, everybody. Oh, well, what did we give up? Can I talk Can you tell me what they gave up? The Brooklyn Nets. I need to know what they gave up. Can, is that answer out yet? Brooklyn has acquired James Harden. Oh, oh well, what <laughs> Craig, Craig, make a call. What'd they give up? I need to know. I can't I can't formulate. My first reaction is shock, awe, and I'm pissed off. That's my first
1: reaction. If you want to capture
0: it, want to take a picture? That's my first reaction. I'm ticked off. <laughs> I'm ticked off that this general manager, who's talked all about culture for 87 years now, blockbuster dealer, saying, and he is going to trade every draft pick because you know they're all gone. Just they're all gone. Every damn draft pick ever created is gone. Karis Levert's gone. They're all gone, right, Craig? Can you tell me? Can you confirm I can't it tell for you me? Yet. Well, can you figure it out? <laughs> can you can you figure it out? Call somebody. Uh, Who did they give up? James Harden is apparently now a Brooklyn net. For what? Who's gone? Did Sean Marks trade everybody? Did he say, take the milk, take this, take that? The Mets, uh, the Mets, the Mets, the Nets uh. cracked. The Nets cracked, they panicked, oh my and they God. jumped. Oh my now, God. they did get oh. something. They get James Harden. Great. Dribble, 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 fat, 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 dribble, dribble, dribble. No defense, no defense, no defense. Shoot. Oh, a foul's called. He's going to the line. I know that's not fair. You know what? The moment just happened. Don't blame me for not being fair. I'm not supposed to be fair right now. I'm letting it all marinate, especially because I'm freaking out because I need to know what's in the deal. What's in the deal? Have you told me yet? I did not tell you Well, can you tell me? I did not tell you. Are you holding you. it back from me? Call up the next one. I did movie. tell you the deal would get done before six, though. You nailed it. <laughs> I, I gave you that. Na- you also told me, as did I, he'd end up in Philly. Why is he no, in no. that now? I said my gut was that Philly oh, would uh, would win him because of Ben Simmons. Who's in the deal? Uh, who's, who's in the, the deal? Hell? I don't know who's in the deal yet. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, oh. it, it apparently is a done deal.
1: Uh, oh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> James Harden uh, is a Brooklyn Net. Uh, there you go. And all uh, I know now is what everyone else knows, which is that it is a blockbuster deal.
1: That is priceless. That I heard that the first time a buddy of mine retweeted it on Twitter, that is just incredible audio. From WFAN, like New York radio hosts are a different breed, man. Like I, that was that's amazing. I have heard that now probably five times. I still crack up every time. The did they give up the milk? That was that was great. And you heard the amount of picks they gave up. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight picks in this deal. <laughs> I, I couldn't talk about this trade and not play that clip because that that is just. Amazing radio right there from WFAN in New York. Carton and Roberts. Hilarious. All right, let's move on. I got two more things I want to talk about here in the next 12 minutes. 11 and a half minutes, actually. White Sox making moves, making big moves here. Signing closer Liam Hendricks. Three years, $39 million with an option and or a buyout. That's 15 million. So this guy is getting 54 million guaranteed to close for the White Sox. It's a great move. I mean you if you're if you're a White Sox fan, you gotta look at it as you just got the best reliever, best closer on the market right now. And he wants to win. I didn't have time to pull the audio from Liam Hendricks' interview with the pitching ninja, Rob Friedman. Go check it out on Twitter. I'll retweet it. It's him talking about how he wants to win. He, whenever he's on the mound, he. I should preface this. He's Australian, so he he says it in, a, in an Australian accent, talking about how he wants to win. How when he's on the mound, he's like, "I'm gonna get you out." Like the quote he used was, "I'm an egotistical narcissist on the mound," and he wants to win. And, and when he talked about, uh, I gotta, I, I'll I'll do my best Australian accent here to kind of show the humor in this. Like he's gonna show people that any deal he gets gonna be a bargain. Like, he's got the confidence. He's got the swagger. He's going to be great on the south side. But, I mean, he's Australian. So, I mean, you you talk about, like, Australian. Like, his full-on Aussie accent, it is amazing. I hope he talks after every game because I could listen to him talk all day. But the big story here is that Jerry Reinsdorf found his wallet and is paying this guy $54 million to close games. It's a great move. It is a brilliant move for the White Sox. Because now, I mean, Alex Colome was okay. He's not Liam Hendricks. There aren't, I don't think anybody is Liam Hendricks. I know people are worried about like, oh, Craig Kimbrell, Cubs signing him to a big deal. He was starting to fall off in Boston. And there are comparisons to David Robertson. I, I get it. But I, I think Liam Hendricks, has, he's found his stride in the last year, year and a half. Sox got a good one. They should be very, very excited about this deal. Now, Not all the problems are solved because they still need a good starter. They go get Trevor Bauer if you still got the money for it. But they need a solid starter. They need a right fielder because they let Nomar Mazara walk. I know they got Adam Eaton. That's great. Is he your starter? I don't know. But either way, though, White Sox making moves. They've got to be the team to beat in the American League. Are they not? Maybe the Yankees? I saw they had second-best World Series odds in the AL. White Sox have to be the team to beat. After signing a guy like Liam Hendricks, not that they can get one more starter. They brought in Lance Lynn. That's great. They need one more top-of-the-rotation starter. That's what. That's the biggest need right now. All right, I put it off long enough. Let's talk Blackhawks. I I I put it off. I've never been this down on the Blackhawks because I started. I always tell the story. I started watching hockey. One of the first, one of if not the first hockey game I've ever watched was the 2009 Winter Classic when they played at Wrigley Field against the Red Wings. It was like one of the first hockey games I ever watched, and I, I mean I was hooked. And from there, obviously, they won the Cup in 2010. The Dynasty started, they won 2013, 2015. i fifteen. I'd never been this down on the Hawks, even after all the trades that they've made to free up salary cap space. I, I didn't I didn't even watch the game the other night, except it, was, it just happened to be out at the bar. It's the only reason I watched it. Like, I... Blackhawks games have been must-watch TV in my house for the last decade. I mean, there's a hockey game on, we're watching it. Now, I'm losing track of when they play. And it's sad. They're 0-2, both losses to defending Stanley Cup champions, Tampa Bay Lightning. But that, that's not even the part that, that's not really the reason I'm so down on the Hawks. Like, yeah, I'm down on the Hawks because they're not good. But, the was it the day the season started? Was this Wednesday? Or was this Tuesday? The Hawks announced that Jeremy Colleton got an extension. He got a two-year extension with the Blackhawks. And I heard that news, and I stopped, and I think my dad was in the room. And I just, I go, why? Like, you, you think about Jeremy Colleton taking over for Joel Quinville. I mean, you're taking over for Joel Quinville. Those are those are big shoes to fill. I I still, I'm not sure Q should have been fired when he was. Another great move by Stan Bowman, but he brings in this kid, and I, I feel bad saying that, but you'll see you'll see why I'm calling him a kid. Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook are older than their coach. I mean, he he had one year in Rockford. I mean, he he's Stan's guy all the way, and he he just got a two-year extension. What has he done to earn an extension? I mean, seriously, like, can someone, like, someone tweet at me, DM me, if you have my, if you have my, if you're close enough, text me, somebody tell me why Jeremy Collin deserves an extension, I will wait, I, I, I can't think of a reason, and spe- like, a year, okay, yeah, I get it, two years, you're, you're keeping this guy for two more years, I mean, are you gonna tank with him? I mean, I hope they tank. Go get that top pick. That's going to be your only hope now because your hands are tied because, oh, stand the Man Bowman, you're stuck with Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, Duncan Keith, and Brent Seabrook. And I hate saying that you're stuck with these guys because, I mean, they're some of the best players in Hawks history, but the way their deals are structured, if you want to rebuild, you've got to get rid of these guys. I've said it for the last three months. You've got to get rid of these guys, and you can't because they have no movement clauses. And it sucks because Stan keeps talking about, oh, you have to look at the future. You have to look at the future. It's all about the future. If you'd have looked at the future, you'd have known this is your window. As long as you had these guys tied to you, that's your window. That should be your window of opportunity to win and you're wasting it. Like you've got a talent like Patrick Kane, who's probably going to go down as one of the best players in hockey history, let alone Blackhawks history. And you're sticking him on this team? Jonathan Taves is out with an undisclosed illness. He's on the long-term IR now. Brent Seabrook, I mean, he's he's on the long-term IR too. As he tweaked his back or something. You're paying him a lot of money. And Duncan Keith, I mean, Dun- I mean Duncan Keith was great in, in the early 2010s. I mean, he was huge in those cup runs. I remember when he lost like seven teeth in the Stanley Cup final and came back out to play call him Duncan Teeth for a reason like we I mean we joke about it it's all in good fun but Duncan Keith isn't what he used to be either the only one who's still going to be making any impact at the moment is Patrick Kane It's going to be a long year and I think it was Patrick Finley or Russell Dorsey one of the guys at the Sun-Times tweeted poor drink for your favorite Blackhawks writer it's going to be a long season yeah It's going to be a long season for Blackhawks fans. And like I said, I've never been this down on the Blackhawks. But especially when they, between making Stan Bowman his own boss as the president of hockey operations, you know, they tried to modernize their front office. They didn't do a good job, but they're taking the right steps. Made Stan Bowman his own boss, extended Jeremy Colleton for what I think is really no reason other than maybe to tank for two years and that's a maybe I don't see a lot of reason to be optimistic about the Blackhawks this year. It sucks it does I don't like saying that but that's where we're at a lot of head scratching moves and I just I don't know it's going to be a long year for sure got a couple minutes left here. I do, if you missed the announcement on my Twitter and Facebook, um, I do want to tell you about a new project I'm working on. So if you missed the announcement, starting in the next week, couple weeks or so, I will be the new host of the Believe in Bulls podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. And it's going to be a really fun opportunity. I'm really excited for it. I'll be talking Bulls basketball once, maybe twice a week. On on this podcast, I'm really excited for it. Uh, the link the link is not live yet. As soon as the link goes live, as soon as we have a feed, uh, I will share it. Uh, please subscribe, follow along, leave a review. It's uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm I'm really excited for it, and I'm I'm glad that the guys that believe are believing in me. I didn't really intend to make that pun, but uh, that's where that's just been that kind of day, I guess. Um, again, I'm really excited. Uh, this is not my full time job but it's something it's something else uh, another way to keep talking bulls with you guys i'm again very excited that'll launch soon so once it does subscribe follow along it'll be available on apple spotify google wherever you get your podcasts if you have any ideas i'll probably end up opening a bunch of mailbags or just have a the mailbag will just be open if anyone wants to chime in on anything feel free to tweet me tweet me dm me whatever your little heart desires to Talk some bowls. Again, I'm I'm super excited about this. So, again, that'll be once or twice a week. I'm still working that out with how I'll do it because this just came together in the last week. But stay tuned for more updates on that. And I'll still be here. The show got renewed. I got word yesterday. I'll be back here Sundays 11 to noon for the next semester from home, from my studio where I'm talking to you right now with my shiny new microphone that I'm on with better quality than my last one for the podcast's. But I'm really excited about this, and I do. I want to, I want to thank the guys that believe. I want to thank all of you for listening and your support. It's great, and like I said, I'll still be here. That'll give me opportunity to talk about you know the other teams and how bad they're doing. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But just talk, talk about the other teams, complain about the other teams. But I'll be talking bulls more than just this one slot a week, and I, I'm super excited about it. So again, stay tuned for more updates on that. But I figured I'd share that update now. I'm out of time. Thank you everybody for listening this was a really this was a fun show this week as always uh, next week I've got some fun stuff planned that get kind of in the works we'll see what happens but I am out of time so until next Sunday everybody stay safe stay healthy, wear a mask have a great week. there's no football in Chicago but enjoy some playoff football today if you're into watching the Chiefs and the Buccaneers and the Saints and the Browns play today or if you want to watch the Bulls game later enjoy it. I will see you guys next week. Have a great week, everybody.